Hello and welcome to another episode of Went to Mo Kings Meadow, the podcast that talks exclusively about the Chelsea FC women's team. I'm your host Dean and on this week's show, in part one we review Chelsea's Champions League victory over Atletico Madrid and their return to action in the WSL with a win over West Ham United. In part two we round up the latest news from our two-week international break and in part three we look ahead to our next fixtures against Atletico Madrid in the second leg and the Conti Cup final against Bristol City this weekend. This is episode 15 of Went to Kings Meadow entitled Home Away From Home. Uh, now, before we get started, we need your help to spread the word about this podcast. So if you enjoy what you hear, tag us in a tweet, share us on Instagram, or how about leaving a nice five-star review on Apple Podcasts as it helps other supporters find the show. We would really appreciate your support. Uh, now, joining me this week, as ever, is my wonderful co-host, Jane. Jane, how are you doing this week? I'm good, thank you, Dean. Congratulations on the little new addition to the family. Thank you very much. Looking forward to meeting him or her in September. Me too. We're not going to find out this time. So um, I'm hoping you're not going to miss a football game, though. We'll see. September, so um, the pictures are there. <laughs> Make sure Lou knows if you miss a football game, it's not going to it's not going to end very well. Yeah, I'll tell her. Hold it. There's still ten minutes. Just, just hold it. Yeah, be back in a minute. See how that goes down. Um, <laughs> also joining us this week, I'm delighted to welcome back to the show the co-chair of Chelsea Pride, Tracy Brown. Tracy, how are you doing this week? I'm very well, thank you. And again, yeah, congrats on the news. But yes, get the get the missus across the legs if the kickoff is any time. Um, but no, it's congratulations from me too. If not, um, and Captain Berger could save it. <laughs> right, let's get into the match reviews, then, because it feels a bit like the last time since we last spoke about an actual Chelsea match. So we'll go back to last Wednesday evening when Chelsea hosted Atletico Madrid in the first leg of the round of 16 in the Champions League. Uh, Jane, talk us through the all-important information from that game. Chelsea lined up this one in a 4-3-3 formation. Berger was in goal, a back four of Mielda, Bright, Ingle and Anderson. Leopold's G and Harder were the midfield three and Kirby and Kerr supported England in attack. Emma Hayes used all three substitutes, with Neve Charles replacing Bethany England in the 19th minute. Aaron Cuthbert came on for G in the 69th minute. And in the 78th minute, Guru Wrighton replaced Fran Kirby. That left the unused subs bench as Musovic, Orman, Blundell, Spence, Carter, Fleming and Fox. Stats-wise, Chelsea had 41% possession to Atletico's 59%. Chelsea with 13 shots, 6 on target to Atletico's 10 shots, 2 on target. Chelsea with an XG of 2.6 compared to Atletico's 1.85. Chelsea had one corner compared to Atletico's nine. Chelsea had five offsides compared to Atletico's three, with Chelsea committing 11 fouls, picking up two yellow cards and one red compared to Atletico's eight fouls for one yellow card. I just want to say a big thank you to our new stats partner, Mia Eriksson. Um, make sure you follow her on Twitter at Mia underscore, underscore sorry, Eriksson. Um, she posts some really insightful stuff and she's going to be sharing... Um, the stats that she gets with us so we can give you hopefully the right information. That can be a bit tricky sometimes getting the right stats for the women's game. Uh, I suppose the big news before kickoff was Captain Magda Eriksson out injured so um, instead Ingle into defence and pretty early on in the game you know that changing the back four showed and it was a long ball over the top that caught the defence out and Ingle was showing a red card um, for tripping the Atletico striker in the box. Um, Tracy that was an uncharacteristic mistake from Sophie wasn't it? 
Massively so. We're talking pure talent that I, I absolutely love Ingle. The whole Welsh connection there. She's a phenomenal player. Um, I think, yes, yeah, she has obviously hasn't been playing. Um, it was a very quick move by Atletico. And it was just clumsy, unfortunately. And I think that ref was so quick to get their hands in their pocket and get that red card out. It was ridiculous. Um, but it, was, it wasn't what you'd expect to happen. I think it wouldn't have happened... 15, 20 minutes in, I think, when everyone was a bit more comfortable. Um, but we were phenomenal after that, which is amazing. Yeah, I thought we actually started really well before that moment. And I think that's probably why it was caught out as well. And, you know, I did notice the ref's little smile as she got that red card out. She was really pleased <laughs> herself. To... A bit too happy, if you ask me, seriously. Um, Little did we know, Jane, that in between the sticks was a real-life superhero in Aaron Katzenberger. Um, she made a great save from the spot kick. Um, potentially a game-changing moment because you get up on the way goal, it's worth two, really. Um, so for both to save that was huge, wasn't it? I think to save a penalty in any game is big, but especially in Champions League games where them away goals, like you said, do mean two. And potentially they could change the overall score at the end of it. So... For her to stop that away goal going in was brilliant. Yeah, I used to play as a goalkeeper, not very well, but saving a penalty is the ultimate thing you can do. And it was interesting to see what Emma would do, obviously, when we went down to 10 players. Um, and it took her a few minutes to sort of work out what she was going to do. Um, some managers would have gone 4 4 1, just leaving a striker up front and, and hoping for the best. But Emma went strikerless, so to speak, with Beth England making way for Neem Charles. It left Kirby and Kerr on the wings coming inside. And Penilla Harder almost playing in two positions. Um, Tracy, what did you make of the changes from Emma in terms of the team setup? Um, and we have faith in Emma. At the end of the day, I wasn't quite sure what we were going to do. Naturally, you knew we were going to change something. Um, it was a big match. Um, you didn't want any goals scored against because obviously it was Europe. In Emma, we trust. You had to trust that unit. She knew exactly what she was doing. And to be quite honest, it was a genius move that really paid off very well. Yeah, I think that's something we should remember during games. Um, obviously, we got to nil-nil at half-time. And at the time, I thought it was going to be really difficult for this team to sort of get something out of the game because the amount of running they had to do in that first half, being a player down as well. Jane, did you see that second half coming? I didn't expect the second half to go the way it did I think being down to 10 players I thought it might have been a bit more difficult with the way Atletico was playing um, so it did come as a surprise to get the two goals eventually Yeah the goals did come uh, the first in the 56th minute when Megan Lewis released Sam Kerr down the left um, she was brought down in the box and it was Chelsea's turn to take a penalty uh, Mara Mielder stepped up and made sort of no mistake from the spot. Tracy, did you have any nerves ahead of watching that penalty? I always have nerves when I have see Chelsea with a penalty. <laughs> it, it's a Chelsea supporter thing, I swear. You generally have nerves. I don't know why, though. She put the ball down and boom. I mean, what a well-taken penalty. I mean, it was just class, to be fair. But yes, as a Chelsea fan, yeah, you always panic. To be fair, as soon as the ball gets put on the spot, I don't know why, but um, anyway, pure class. You took it with so much confidence. Um, goalkeeper had no chance. Yeah, Jane, I always look away. I can't watch. <laughs> um, what's your sort of take on it? Confident when Marin stepped up? I've 
it was a tough one. Where Hedvig Lindahl was in goal, she is a brilliant goalkeeper. So I, even coming into the game, I thought this is going to be difficult to get goals past her, just like when she played for Chelsea. So I was a bit like, what's going to happen? But I, I did have confidence in Marin, and I did think she is going to score this. Yes, full-back appreciation, as, as Rob likes to pull it. Um, it didn't take long for it to be 2-0. Uh, Fran Kirby, obviously still annoyed at hitting the post not just a minute earlier. She made no mistake the second time. Her shot got the better of former Blue Hendrick Lindvall and went in. Um, Jane, the link-up between Harder Kerr and Kirby for that goal shows, sort of number one, the quality of the team. And two, that Emma was right, really, to take Beth out when we got reduced to 10. I mean, we completed seven counter-attacks against Atletico who didn't complete any against us. You know, as, as Tracy said, trust in Emma, you know, it was really a tactical master plan from her, wasn't it? I'd, I would have hated to be Emma in that situation when Sophie got shown that red to what she was going to do. I didn't expect her to take Beth out. I thought maybe she might have taken someone out of midfield or... I didn't... Yeah, taking Beth off came as a surprise. But I think Harder Kerr and Kirby all played brilliantly. And to get that second goal as well, after... Kirby hit the post they didn't give up they went again and they managed to get that second goal in yeah and that wasn't the end of the action was it because it's 10 minutes from the end Berger had a bit of a rush of blood to the head she gave away another penalty which she um Julie saved again I think she was just showing off at this point uh Tracy that's what the best and the worst of AK, AKB isn't it yeah I mean yeah I think maybe a bit of showboating there with goalkeeping skills um yeah, I mean, it was a complete rush of blood. I mean, the away goal is is huge in the Champions League. Um, and we're down to 10 players on the pitch. It was it was a bit of a scary night in that sense. We, we have bad players sent off. We've got goalkeepers rushing out. But at the same time, in a certain goalkeeper we trust, um, again, saved it. Player of the match. There we go. Job done. Yeah, I suppose you can't criticise too much when she saves the result. No, no, exactly. If obviously it had been missed, it would have been a different story. But I just think it's a bit showboating there. Yeah, she wanted to um, sort of have some praise as well and a team performance. Uh, oh, amazing. Yeah, it really was a team performance as well, highlighted by Sam Kerr and Pinilla Harder, who between them completed uh, competed in sixty-five duels. Sorry, more than anyone else on the team. Uh, Jane, it really took hard graft from everyone, didn't it, to, to come out on top in this one? Yeah, I think it did. And um, after Sophie got sent off, you saw that um, video of Millie, and she sort of like shouted at everyone and like pointed to her head to be like, just keep your mind in the game and just keep going. Like, don't give up just because we've gone down to ten women. Like, we still can come out of this bigger and better. And that's what they did. They did not stop trying, and they did come out the better team. Yeah, I was listening to. Frank Kirby's Fight Club, another Chelsea Women's podcast today, and, and they made a good point where you didn't feel in the second half that Chelsea had 10 players and Athletic had 11, and that was because of the running, wasn't it, Tracy? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I don't think Harder stopped. Actually, I don't think anyone stopped, actually. I think it was a phenomenal team effort. I think everyone gave 110% across the pitch. Um, as a unit, I think, going down so early we proved just what a strong team we truly are we can compete for anything with this team um but yeah I mean we just didn't stop they must have been exhausted at the end of that game I have to say 
Yeah, I hope they got a day off on Thursday as a three. Um, I suppose it's difficult to pick out one or two players, but uh, we're going to do it anyway. So, um, Tracy, I'll let you pick a player first to sort of big up, but then, Jane, I'll come to you after. Who would you pick um, out? Harder, I think. I mean, it was going to be very easy to go for, the, for a certain showboating goalkeeper, um, but I'm going to go harder just because there is the pure talent. There is what the world's best, and it was in it showed, did not stop at all, was everywhere, in every position, to be fair. Um, if you wouldn't have known where she played, actually, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have been able to tell. Um, it's just a phenomenal performance. Yeah, tour of King's Meadow from Vanilla Harder in that game. Uh, Jane, if you could pick somebody out, um, we've got to, um, who's it going to be? Um, I'd probably say Charles. I think she did really well to come on in the situation she did and to come on and play like, she'd started like you wouldn't have known that she'd been subbed on as like the substitute but she just played brilliantly and she just she knew what she was doing and like it didn't phase her that we'd gone down to 10 women that would have been my second choice for sure to be fair she had a great game she truly did yeah that was my first choice coming into a game as a sub uh, able to get to that level straight away is really under a lot of pressure as well to be fair and did, did fantastic with that pressure. Yeah, so if I can't go for Charles, I'd go for Mara Mielda, who moved positions from right back to centre back. Um, she didn't put a foot wrong. She scored a penalty. Never does. She was absolutely fantastic as well. And they all were, so, you know, credit to the whole team. Um, I mean, we picked our players. Um, Jane, who won the player of the match vote online after this game? Um, so the Chelsea Women Supporters Group had their player of the match top poll over on Twitter after the game. The four options were Millie Bright, who received 2% of the votes, Jiso Young with 3%, Neve Charles with 4%, and the runaway winner with 91% of the vote was Anne Katrinberger. Yeah, I suppose when he saved two penalty kicks as a goalkeeper, um, that's equivalent to probably scoring two Patricks. No complaints from me. Um, Complaints, raise your voice now. If not, remain silent, as they say in church sometimes. Um, the Ingle Red Card aside, a pretty flawless performance from Chelsea, and we go into the second leg now, firm favourites to um, to progress. Uh, let's move on then, shall we, to the return of the WSL football on Sunday when we travel to West Ham United. Uh, Jane, run us through the all important information from that game. Chelsea lined up this one in a four-one-three-two formation. Zakira Musovic made her debut in goal. A back four of Neve Charles, Millie Bright, Marami Elder and Yona Anderson. Sophie Ingle held the midfield alone with G, Peniel and Hardar and Guru Wrighton supporting Sam Kerr and Bethany England in attack. Emma made two double subs, bringing Jesse Fleming and Frank Kirby on for Harder and Kurt in the 68th minute. And Jess Carter and Drew Spence for Neve Charles and G in the 82nd minute. That left Berger, Orman, Blundell, Leopold and Fox as the unused subs. Stats-wise, Chelsea had 60% possession to West Ham's 40%. 13 shots, 5 on target to West Ham's 7 shots, 0 on target. Chelsea had 4 corners to West Ham's 3 and committed 9 fouls to the Hammers' 7. Now, this game, in my opinion, wasn't particularly thrilling. Um, West Ham's stifling Chelsea. Chelsea just sort of controlling the ball. Uh, Two headers, two goals. One from Sam Kerr connecting to a Bethany England cross in the 7th minute. And then Kerr returned the favour to England in the 47th minute to secure the win for Chelsea. 
Uh, not a great amount of action, so to speak, but lots of things for us to discuss. Firstly, the lineup, Jane, a start for Sakira Musevic. Um, she did fantastic, didn't she? Yeah, I think she did. I was quite surprised to see, not to see her start, but just where Emma said when she signed that she was going to let her settle in for like six months or so and just see how she gets done training. So I was shocked. Like, I wasn't shocked that she started, but I. I was shocked to see her so soon starting, but the performance she gave, I think, was brilliant. Like it, she looked, she looked so in place, and she looked like she knew what she was doing. Yeah, I think she's actually settled quicker than Emma perhaps expected, and she's a big part of the online community now, um, as well. And I know I did promise to sing a Sakira song, but somebody better than me sung it, so I'm going to play their version instead. Um, it's on all our socials. Um, so this is Janique singing this, um, I'll save your ears, my version, which is terrible. It's online if you want to listen, but why would you do that to yourself? Here's Janique. What a song, right? I think we should have heard your version. It's really bad. I think we'll get thrown off of podcasting. I think <laughs> definitely me up. Like you're you're cancelled. Sorry. Um, actually, if you do want to hear my version, it's really bad. It's on Twitter. Um, yes, it is. Sakira did say, "Don't lose your day job." Um, what you do full time. Um, so I'll do what she says. I think. Let the professionals take care of the singing. Um, she, yeah, let's get back to her performance, which is more impressive. Um, there's a couple of moments on videos that are posted on Twitter where she actually bullied the West Ham attackers when she comes to claim the ball. Um, that was great to see. Sometimes you think maybe in a day someone might have a few nerves, um, not be so commanding, but uh, great to see that she was. Um, Tracy, the back four that started was the same that ended against Atletico Madrid. A nod perhaps to them starting a few more games if Magda isn't back fit? Yes, and I think they did so well. Um, I think when you see under such pressure how well they did, um, why wouldn't you use them again? Um, I believe Magda's gone flown out for tomorrow's game. But if someone's coming back from injury, you don't want them anyway. Um I would stick with the same back four. I think they, I think they did very well. Uh, as I say, we have such a strong team and so many, so many players. Um, you'd expect sometimes if you swap them around, you wouldn't get such a solid performance. But they deserve to play again. To be fair. Yeah, perhaps you know a little tough on players like Hannah Blundell, but um, you know as you said, they didn't put a foot wrong. They made no mistakes. You know, no reason for Emma to, to change them out. And if Magda's not ready on Wednesday which is tomorrow, you know, you would go with the same back four that played so well in the first. Um, Jane, West Ham, really negative all game. When we previewed our match in the Conti Cup a, f- a few weeks back, we mentioned the, their new manager being a progressive manager, but they literally played 5-5-0, um, showed no attacking intent. Do you think that thrashing in the Conti Cup played a part in West Ham's thinking, trying to keep the score down? Um, I don't think it's helped. We have one against them quite big, not just in 
that Collins Cup game a few games last season as well. Um, I was shocked at the way they came out. I thought they could have put a bit more, like, I don't know how to explain it, but they could have put a bit more into the game and not just sort of defend as much as they could. I think if they had taken the chances, they might have been able to get away with it. So I was quite disappointed to see the way they were playing. Yeah, obviously we had the big performance in midweek. So, you know, a chance maybe to make us run a bit more, but they didn't really want to do that. So, you know, for me, I'm happy they're bottom of the table now. Um, Tracy, it was concerning for me, a few players looked a little bit leggy after that Atletico game. I thought Panilla in particular in the second half, you know, felt her legs more than sort of most. And that's because she did so much in that game. Yeah. Um, is it a concern for you, given that we've got the big game tomorrow and then the cup final on Sunday as well, that the games are coming a bit too fast for this squad? We've got such a big squad, it shouldn't be a problem. We have, I mean, you look at our bench on the average game and we have class across the board. Um, yes, there's a lot of games coming up, but as I say, with that bench and rotation and how good Emma is at putting a team together, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be a problem. The game kicks off so early tomorrow um, that I would hope actually that may give our players a little bit more time actually before the weekend. Um, but yeah, I mean, with 10 players on a pitch, a massive game, and it was played at a really good pace, and our players, all of them gave 110% running, you'd expect, you would have expected to have seen some of them tired. Um, thank God West Ham didn't actually come out uh, firing. Actually, I thought it was extremely disappointing that a team would come with no desire to play any form of attacking football. That, to me, isn't football. So to sitting there with two banks of players and not really doing much, um, it's disappointing. And I would have expected, as you say, with a new manager, that West Ham would have given more. Yeah, especially at home as well, because that's yeah. you know, your ground and you're supposed to impose yourself a bit. I know playing Chelsea is obviously very difficult for most teams in this in this league, but, you know, show something at least. Um, Jane, the player I'd like to pick up from this game was Bethany England, who I've written a piece about for the CFCW social um, whenever they publish that. Um, she's found herself on the sidelines a bit this season, especially in the big games, but um, she's proven herself to be a fantastic all-round striker now, getting assists as well. Another one today, or today, Sunday. Yeah, I think it was on Wednesday, obviously, with her being subbed off. I think it was devastating for her. So she's finally been able to start. Um, but she came out on Sunday and she did prove she's proven that she does deserve to be in that starting lineup. Obviously, she got one goal and assisted another. And the way she played with Sam, I think she she played brilliantly the way them two link up. Yeah, it was good to see when they Emma actually put Sam up front with Emma and uh, with sorry, with Beth, and they connected really well. And she's definitely a striker that thrives having someone to play off near her. Um, Tracy talking about Sam Kerr, our top goal scorer now with 12 goals. She's taken a lot of criticism this year, committing some big chances. Um, what's your take on her? Because obviously she is the top goal scorer, but she has missed some some, some guilty chances to we show this year. Yeah, she has. And I think we've all sort of screamed at the television when she has. Um, but there is no doubt in the talent that she actually has. I think sometimes you can get frustrated and I think you've seen that frustration you miss one too many and you then just maybe kick out of things without thinking or placements or rush your chances 
Um, top goal scorer for a reason, because Sam Kerr is an incredible talent. I think in time, we'll just get better and better and better. And yes, um, the link-up play with, with, with Beth was really good. Um, and that's got to be something really positive for the future. I think they played really well off each other. Um, maybe we'll see some of that again tomorrow. I would presume that hopefully Beth would start the, the game tomorrow. So we will see. Yeah, I suppose it's another you know, tactical weapon for, for Emma to be able to play Sam and Beth together because she plays Sam, Fran and Vanilla Heart together and they connect really well. And then having yeah. an aspect to go ahead you know, and have confidence in, I suppose, is, is a good thing. Um, Jane, in the game, we saw G on the right and Guru right and on the left and they're not players that like to run in behind. Do you think we missed that in this game? West Ham being so deep, players running behind? Um, I don't know. I think the way West Ham played, it was completely different to what I've seen them play before. So I think that did affect the way our players played and their sort of positioning on the pitch. Yeah, I suppose for us, winning the game is, is what's important now and the title's in our hands if we keep winning. And, you know, Two nils, obviously not the biggest score, but West Ham being so negative, I think you take the two goals and get out there um, with all the players fresh and fit, ready for the next game. Uh, Jane, run us through who won the player of the match vote for this and also how the table looks after that um, game. So the Chess Women Supporters Group held the poll on Twitter. Their four options were Neve Charles, who received 14% of the vote, Bethany England with 23%, Millie Bright with 24% and the winner with 39% of the vote was Sam Kerr. In the league, Chelsea still sit top on 41 points. Manchester City in, in second on 39 points. Manchester United in third on 35 points, followed by Arsenal, Everton, Reading, Brighton, Tottenham, Birmingham, Aston Villa, Bristol City and now bottom place West Ham. Yeah, it was a huge win for Bristol City last night. I don't know if anyone saw that on BT Sport. Um, a great goal by Emily Salmon at the end to, to win the game for them. Um, it's obviously going to be a huge game on the 25th of April when we travel to Manchester City because that's going to decide the title at the end of the day if we can draw or, or win that game. The title should be ours. Um, now, obviously, this episode is called Home Away From Home. Uh, if you don't follow the women's teams closely, you might be wondering why is that? Um, and the answer is um, the win over West Ham actually was our fifth consecutive away match without conceding, which is a new WSL record. Um, Jane, a phenomenal achievement, isn't it? And another achievement by this great team. Yeah, I think this season we're just getting more achievements. Obviously, we had the unbeaten streak. And to get five consecutive away games without conceding in a row to break another new record is just brilliant. Yeah, Tracy, breaking records I didn't even know existed. What a team. No, and if there's going to be a team that's going to do it, it's going to be our team, let's be <laughs> fair. We, we, do love, we do love keeping those records just for ourselves. Um, may that continue. May that just continue to grow. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more with that. Um, that's all for part one. Join us after this short break. We'll be back with all the latest news from Kings Meadow and beyond. We 
Real fans, real opinions. For Chelsea fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Chelsea videos and podcasts. Download the free CFC Blues app now from the App Store and Google Play. Welcome back to part two of Went to Mo Kings Meadow. Uh, time now for a news roundup from Kings Meadow and beyond. Um, what's been happening, Jane? So the FA Cup will return on Sunday, the 18th of April, with Chelsea facing the London City Lionesses. The quarters, semis, and final will be carried over into next season, though as Wembley is only available for use in May. The FA has agreed in its historic deal that we will see the WSL matches live on. BBC May channels next season with Sky Sports replacing BT as primary broadcast partner. The first time the women's game has gained a rights fee. Um, Conti Cup final tickets. This is from the Chelsea Women's Supporters Group. Unfortunately, because of the pandemic, we won't be able to attend the match on March the 14th. But that doesn't mean we can't play a big part in the occasion through virtual ticketing. We want to use the final to raise money for two charities. And in return, we will issue... A digital final ticket to supporters. The CFCW social on Twitter have offered every ticket buyer a chance to enter a raffle to win a shirt of their choice from Faldi's. And we will offer a CWSG goodie bag, which will include a selection of merchandise and badges to a ticket buyer. All proceeds will be split between Plan UK and Ditch the Label, which Millie Bright has been supporting recently. Plan International UK is a children's charity and the global charity partner of Chelsea Football Club. Ditch the Label are a leading and global youth organisation to help young people overcome bullying, digital wellbeing, mental health and identity. Fans can get their hands on a Continental Cup final ticket from as little as £5 or higher donation if you choose of your choice for an e-ticket that's been designed by the CFCW Social for this special occasion to enter enter the raffle to win a shirt of your choice. We'll leave the link for the links for that to buy tickets in the description. Yeah, a, a great cause. Um, those Conti Cup final tickets. I've got mine, Jay. I know you've got yours. Um, a fantastic initiative by the supporters group, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's brilliant. Obviously, we'd all want to be at the game, and just to give back to charities that have helped support the club and the charity Millie Bright's been working with. I just think it's been a great cause. I think, I know Kerry and Mark were very shocked to see how much they've actually raised. I think in under 10 hours, they received nearly a thousand pound in donations, which is just brilliant. I know a couple of the payers have donated as well. Aaron Cuthbert donated and Frank Kirby donated 150 pounds, which is just incredible. Yeah, it shows you know, one, the growth of the support for this team and two, the love for, you know, good causes and especially in in times like this, um, you know, people offering their, their money to support those in need, you know, when they could have been spending that money on you know, going to the game, obviously they can't. So, you know, if you want to, um, to do that as well and get your ticket, you know, obviously, as we said, the link we'll leave in the description and we'll post it online as well on our socials. Um, Tracy, the the rights deal sort of broke today as I was putting this script together, so I've not really read too much into it. But you know, obviously, 
historic is how we described it and it, it is that really isn't it you know bbc main channels showing women's football is huge news it's massive i think i think we've all anyone who follows the women's game realizes that for the women's game in this country to get to the levels of say the the usa we need to invest heavily in women's football so that we can bring up not just the you know the top leagues because it always seems that way but even the championship you know we want to make our team stronger across the board and we want to make watching women's football in this country much more popular than it is and it is growing but I think by getting by getting more coverage that people can sit down and watch a lot of people won't watch something on an app to actually having more games on TV that people can actually watch on BBC and actually having partners with Sky is only going to benefit the women's game in the long run. I think financially, um, it's a massive step forward. There's always going to be more we can keep doing, but this is definitely going in the right direction. Yeah, obviously it helps that these the women's clubs have money coming straight into them and they're not relying on sort of their, their men's clubs to, to financially support them. I know we see not long ago, I don't know if it was Bergman City or Aston Villa, but their club wouldn't pay, I think, £500 for them to get a game to go ahead. And you're thinking they'd probably spend that on pizzas for a boardroom meeting. I think you only just got to look at what Liverpool did to the women's team. I think yeah. that's a disgrace. There's, there's a prime example. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, growth still to be had and, and mistakes still need to be learned from, but, you know, a step in the right direction. Uh, Tracy, I think it would be remiss of me not to talk to you as co-chair of Chelsea Pride about the actions of Magda Eriksson and Vanilla Harder on Valentine's Day when they opened up their DMs um, to people struggling to sort of come out or having issues um, with their families, etc. Um, we discussed it on the podcast, but as somebody you know in that community, from that community, what did that mean to you to see that? I think it was brave. I think it was brave to actually open up your your private DMs. Now, as an openly gay person online, you will see abuse left, right and centre. It's just part of the course. I ignore it majority of the time because there's no point in giving anyone um, what they want and they want you to argue. They risked a lot by opening them up and I know they were unindated. Um the bonuses to them opening it up, though, I think was there's plenty of people out there who are young, want to play football or just want to come out. And I think having role models like the both of them is fantastic. And the fact that they took time, obviously, to go through messages and select those who are from people who are really struggling was a phenomenal move. Um, I couldn't have been prouder of the fact that it was connected to my club but it's my it's my captain the leader of the team who chose not because the club told them to do it they did it because of their lifestyle and they decided that they're both openly out they're in a phenomenal couple and they decided that it would be lovely to be able to help others uh, i wish we could do that consistently um, but I'm sure they would have got a barrage of not so nice messages come for exactly the same time. They would have been hit with homophobia for sure. I've actually witnessed it with fans of the women's game, which I find incredible because the women's game 
is very different to the men's game, but homophobia unfortunately still exists. Um, but it was a great move. I couldn't be more proud, to be fair. Yeah, so echo that sort of primus of the captain of my team, you know, to taking that brave stand and opening up, you know, opening up to abuse really, because you sort of, they obviously know they're going to let themselves into that at the same time as helping those in need, but perhaps helping those overshadows, you know, the need to protect yourself from sort of vile trolls. Um, that sort of links well with International Women's Day, which we celebrated yesterday. Um, we sort of shared some inspiring people on online. Um, Tracy, who's would you pick? Maybe we'll start from the team and then maybe if you want to give a more personal choice of someone that inspires you as, as a woman. Um, Team-wise, I'm going to have to pick my captain. I mean, actually, to be quite honest, I could pick several of the team for different, different reasons. But I think off the back of um, what, what they did on Valentine's Day, I'm going to have to go Magda. I think I have to go our team captain. It's very close, actually, because I almost want to go Millie Bright as well. I'm sort of torn, really. Um, but I think I'd have to say Magda. I think she's a, a born leader. And I think Emma said she could see her in the future being a manager of the club. And I can see why. Her leadership skills are phenomenal. Um, so that would have to be my choice for our team right now. Separate to our team right now. <laughs> that's that's a difficult one. You can come back to me on that one. I think you can come back to me on that one. Jane, go ahead with your pick from you know, your the inspirational woman from the Chelsea women's team. Um, I think I'd have to go Emma Hayes, just with like the determination of the team and what she does for the players as well. I think like the likes of Fran look up to her like a mum of her own, and just the way she helps out everybody she is an inspiration but like Tracy said it's tough you could pick all the players have got different reasons why they're inspiration like a lot of young girls look up to the players and they dream to be them in the future so it's tough just to single out one individual person yeah Emma's great I love the fact that you know sometimes you know people that aren't sexist can be guilty of this you know, when she's talking about her being a manager in the men's game, and it's, she's always like, well, I'm a woman and what? You know, I can do the job because I'm good at my job. It's not because I'm you know, female or because you're male, that you're better than me. You know, I am who I am, and she's very proud of that. And, you know, my choice on International Women's Day was, was Frank Kirby because of, you know, what she's been through and, and the depths that she's been in. To speak openly about that, number one, you know, is very brave and very strong. And two, to, be, to come back from, you know, injuries and setbacks and become better, is phenomenal and she's an inspiration to me and many others. Um, Tracy, I want to come back to you on your, your okay. I'm interested to hear. Okay, I'm going to go with a, an ex-player of ours. Actually, I'm going to go with an ex-captain of ours. I'm going to go with Karen Carney, who has obviously does a lot of punditry now, who has also been ridiculed a lot online, which is absolutely disgraceful. Um, but has held her head up high and is a phenomenal asset to women everywhere who want to be within sport, within football. Um, the show of strength and character has been quite phenomenal. I rate her completely. <laughs> Obviously, we're talking ex-captain. Um, still, at once a blue, always a blue, to be fair. Um, but that would be my 
my other choice, I think. Yeah, it was sort of a lovely sort of day, sort of listening to sort of people's stories and who inspires them. I know, you know, Tracy, you're an inspiration to many as well for the work you do. You know, Louise Bradshaw has been on the podcast as inspiration for the work that she does as a nurse in the NHS. And, and there's so many examples out there. And then on the flip side of that, you mentioned Karen Carney. Um, our friends at London is Blue tweeted about her as a pundit on Monday night because she was on the NBC feed. So in America, they were listening to Karen Carney and they tweeted about how good she was. And the responses on to that were 80% fantastic. She's one of the best, which she is because she's insightful and she's a breath, of, a breath of fresh air compared to some of the male pundits that these channels have and then unfortunately you know Tracy there's still 20% of people that are oh, there was a woman so I turned the sound off because I can't hear a woman speak about things and oh god seriously some of the responses I mean I sat there and it was it was I there was a I was reading a lot of the responses I don't respond to any negativity anymore because there's just no point some of them were laughable responses like my god really what century are you in god seriously the dark ages um and some were like just pure vile i mean absolutely disgusting and these people supposedly follow women's football and unfortunately we do have a lot of bigots who do still follow women's football so it's okay to watch women play football but it's not okay to watch women talk about football really double standards much um i found i found it disgraceful and all the people like, oh, my God, you don't even know your women presenter. She's not actually speaking. Well, we didn't say it was in the UK. There is many other places in the world where women's football is shown. Um, and why wouldn't you, for any channel, use ex-Chelsea players to be speaking about a game? Um, I rate her completely. I think some of the responses were unjustified. And if I could have blocked and removed every single one of them from Twitter, I gladly would have. Yeah, for, for me, Karen and um, Pat Nevin, the next Chelsea player, and Alex Scott and Michael Richards, four best players yeah. on telly because they say things that are insightful and they don't just repeat the same, you know, bland stuff week after week. And then this morning, I don't know if you saw this um, from Piers Morgan, where he sort of openly sexist towards um, a fellow female presenter made her stand up and show her dress for his own sort of gratification and so that just shows that a man can get away with this on national television without any sort of fear for his job or anything like that so we're celebrating women on monday and then on tuesday we're showing what we really think of them i mean it just shows tracy sort of how far we we still have to go despite all the advances that we speak about with the likes of magda sort of opening up her dms and people being more open this is the reality of the situation that we're in, isn't it? It still is a reality, unfortunately. And someone like him, um, as we record this right now, he is no longer in his job um, at Good Morning Britain or whatever the programme is in the mornings. I don't watch it because I wouldn't want to see his face. Um, he is no longer in that job. Um, he walked away, apparently. Personally, I think ITV should have sacked him. Official complaints hit over 41,000 complaints regarding what he'd said about the interview with Harry and Meghan. Um, and that was just against him and how vile he was, mainly towards someone's mental health and actually openly speaking about mental health. 
And just before we started recording this, Gary Lineker decided to defend him live on Twitter. Um, what I now think of Gary Lineker has also gone down the pan more than maybe it was originally. Um, another show of white male, I can do what I want, I'm overpaid, um, and I'm all that matters. Um, we still have a long way to go. And we have a lot of women who could definitely replace these men and do a far better job. Yeah, as a white male and any other white males listening, my advice to you is to follow Emma Hayes, um, be on the right side of history um, and do the right thing. It's really not that difficult, but um, we like to pretend that it is and we still live in 1950 and women and black people and, and, and foreign people don't matter because we are white males and we rule supreme but you know times will change hopefully um let's move back to the football um in an awkward transition um to a loan report with one game for Jamie Lee Napier and Emily Murphy to tell you about since we last recorded uh that was a 4-0 defeat at the hands of Arsenal on March the 7th uh Emily Murphy started the game but she was replaced at half time uh, Jamie Lee Napier came on in the 63rd minute but unable to change the outcome of that game uh, their next game is against Everton on Thursday night, so good luck to those girls. Uh, Jane, it's good to see them both actually getting minutes and playing. It's sort of what the loans are for, even though they're not really winning games or scoring goals. They're experiencing football. I think it done them well both to go out on loan to a club like Birmingham, who needed players as they had quite a few out injured and they were struggling to form a team. And I think with the squad we had and where it was so big, if they'd stayed here, they wouldn't have got the playtime they'd probably want. So I think they did the right job to be sent out on loan to get the experience with Birmingham. And hopefully Emma will see once their loan contract ends, they do do deserve to come back and she will have them back. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they still play Manchester City. So, you know, if they could both score a hat-trick, um, you know, that would be pretty good. I think that would um, get them back in the first team next year for sure. Um, <laughs> That's all for part two. But before we go to a break, we've got some parish notices. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can find us by searching Went to Mo Kings Meadow. We publish three or four videos a week based from this podcast. So if you want to see our faces as well as our voices, YouTube is the place to go. Apologies in advance. Consider this an invitation to join our district discord channel discord is the perfect place for match day discussions and to be involved in the chelsea fc women's community so make sure you download the discord app search up went to mo king's meadow and join we look forward to seeing you there we'll also leave the link in the description below a reminder if you follow both the men and the women's team to check out the main chelsea fan show they also have a patreon account which you can find at www.patreon.com forward slash chelsea fancast if you can and you would like to help support both our shows financially, you can do so here. There's no obligation. We love you either way. Also, we want as many people talking about and listening to the sh to shows about the women's teams. So make sure you also check out and listen to London is Blue, who feature the women's team in special episodes. The team over at 195 and the only other podcast exclusively about the Chelsea FC women that we know about, Brands Fight Club. Also, make sure you check out the CFCW social on Twitter. 
I've got a column on the team going uh, live very soon. So make sure you check them out. Lots of amazing content from some amazing people. If there's someone else you think we should add to this list, then please let us know so we can help spread the word. Don't forget to check out the Chelsea Women's Support Group on Facebook and Twitter. The more supporters involved, the better for everyone. Join us after this short break for part three. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Football Fancast. Welcome back to part three of Went to Mo Kings Meadow. Time now for our match preview, starting with the second leg of our Champions League tie against Atletico Madrid on tomorrow lunchtime, unfortunately. Um, by the time you're probably listening to this, the game's been played and we are through or we are out, depending on the result. Um, but nonetheless, nevertheless, sorry, let's sort of have a preview of it. Um, Jane, tell us Atletico's form ahead of this one. Um, Atletico are currently sitting fourth in La Liga behind Barcelona. Levante, sorry about the pronunciation. Levante. And Real Madrid. In their last game against Real Betis, they were comfortable. They were the comfortable 4 0 winners. Yeah, the trick with the Liga teams is to speak like Buzz Lightyear on Toy Story 3 when he turns into Spanish Buzz. <laughs> Levante. We are Madrid. It's very... sitting in my head now you've said that. <laughs> okay. Um, let's talk about the actual match then. Um, as we saw in the first leg, Atletico Madrid are a team full of pace. They do like to try and get in behind uh, with balls over the top. Uh, Tracy, you see, and they're trying to sit a bit deeper and protect the spaces. Lots sort of learn from that mistake in the first leg. I don't really think we're a team that tends to sit back deep anyway. I think we'll still go for a, a win. I don't... Yes, yeah, so I think you'll be very aware now, after the first leg, what they're capable of doing, but I don't see us sitting back too deep. I still see us being a threat, definitely on the counter-attack. Um, I see us being a big threat, so I don't see us sitting back too deep, no. Yeah, Jane, I suppose on the flip side, before that red card, we really went up Atletico Madrid and created lots of chances and then scored two goals with only 10 players on the pitch. Um, one away goal here means Atletico need to score four goals. Um, I couldn't tell you the last time we conceded four goals in a match. Um, is it worth sort of trying to just get a goal early and, and killing this game off as quickly as we can? Um, I, think to, I think we should come out the way we did uh, last Wednesday. I think we came out and started brilliantly. Obviously, the red card was unfortunate. But if we can come out and get an early goal, maybe two early goals, obviously that is gonna we're going to have that advantage of the away goals and meaning Atletico are going to have to score double. Yeah, I mean, we did see in the first leg, Atletico had some joy down our right-hand side. Um, Aji Baby, in particular, getting to the byline. Um, so the full-backs are going to be key in this game, aren't they, Tracy? Keeping the likes of uh, Duggan quiet again, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. And I think if we can get early goals, I think it will change the complexion of the game anyway. Um, hopefully their heads will drop um, and we can maybe then make some substitutions and actually 
almost rest some players. Um, I think we need to come out flying um, like we did minus the red card. Um, I think if we play our A game um, and every team, every player within the team gives their all, I think we should be comfortable winners uh, tomorrow lunchtime. Yeah, Jane, I'm predicting Chelsea sort of a bit of a counter-pressing masterclass, a bit like the first leg. Happy for Atletico to have the ball where it's not dangerous and then just try and pick them apart with the pace that we've got. Um, how do you sort of see this one going? Are you uh, attack-minded or counter-attacking? I think I think we've got to go out there and attack. Don't let... Try and have the ball, have as much possession as we can. I think, obviously, if Atletico get them opportunities, they will try, knowing they are 2-0 down and they need to get the goals. Um, so I think the best thing probably to do is just to come out and attack as much as we can and just try not to let them have the ball. Yeah, Tracy, we saw Melanie Leupold rested at the weekend. Um, she's going to be key in the middle of the pitch, isn't she, in, in this game? Phenomenal player. Extremely talented. Um, yes, will be um, a great player in the middle of the pitch. Um, the, um, every single aspect of her game is perfect for this sort of match. Um, she'll be key, but I think if you look across our team, everyone's key at any one point. Um, I think, as I say, they push. If they if they they will need a goal, so they're going to push, which is going to leave holes at the back. And we have a phenomenal team going forward. So on the counter attack, um, from the front to the back and the back to the front, we have a phenomenal team that know how to press and attack. Um, fantastically quick and that's one thing we are good at we are fast on the break so I think if they do come out against us and they push for an early goal they're going to leave gaps and I think at that point we will make them pay Yeah I think Emma's definitely going to send the team out confident that they are yeah. a stronger team and confident to get a result um, if the Wi-Fi is going to let me I'm going to try and pick a team um, and then you can change it as you wish um, Berger in goal Charles Bright, Mielder, Anderson in defence, Liverpool's Fleming and G in midfield, and Kirby Harder and Kerr in attack. Um, caveat to that, of course, is if Magda Eriksson is fit, she would come back into the defence. Mielder would move to right back, and Neem Charles would push up into midfield. Um, I'm not sure if Erin's fit or not either to play in this game. Um, Jane, your thoughts on the team? Would you change that? Um, I think. Maybe take Fleming out and put Harder into the midfield and then start Beth. I agree. Um, agree. Yeah. I don't think, although Magda's flown out, Emma said in her match conference that she's not um, she's not ready to play and Erin's not flown out. So I think she's still picked up that knock. So I think it would just be take Fleming out, put Harder into midfield. And play Beth as, as well. Yeah, I agree completely. I would start. I would start Beth. Yeah, I think she deserves. I think after um, Wednesday's game, obviously it wasn't her fault. There was not much Sophie could do about it. I think she does just deserve to get that start and to show the possibility she could make in that game. Also, she was so excited. She was jigging around before the game. We'd already even come out of the pitch. She was up for it. She deserves a start. To be fair. Yeah, perhaps being a bit too cautious with that 
midfield three. Yeah, that is cautious. I think I have to say that's cautious. <laughs> let's let's see what what Emma does. Um, the game kicks off at twelve thirty. So if you're no, <laughs> we got so far. Dean, you went again. Yeah, I know. Is it back now? It is. Yeah. yeah. Let's try again. <laughs> the game kicks off at twelve thirty lunchtime UK time. So if you're on furlough, if you work from home, if you're on a day off, um, if you're near a television, you can watch the game. If like me, you're going to be at work, you can watch a little bit over lunch break. Maybe readjust your times, attend during the meeting on Zoom or something, um, or follow it on Twitter um, and catch the highlights. Unfortunately, you know, we want to grow women's football, but we can't put it on a time where people can watch the game. That is life as a women's football fan at the minute. Um, let's get a score prediction. Tracy, I'll come to you first. What's your prediction for this game? Uh, 2 0 us. 2 0. Jane? I'm going to go. I'm going to go 3-0. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I'm going to say 3-1. Yeah. No. Just... <laughs> a goal coming from somebody. Not with our key part. Stop it. Well, it <laughs> might be a penalty. It would be a deflection. Well, it wouldn't be a penalty because Bergerich owns that. I mean, that's just... You know. They must be sat down and gone. We can't afford to get a penalty. No one's going to score it anyway. So. They'd ask for a free kick instead. Um, let's move on to Bristol City, if we can. Um, Sunday, the Conti Cup final. Uh, Jane, tell us about Bristol City's recent form ahead of this game. So their far, five last was their last five results, sorry, in all competitions are followed with the most recent first: a three-two win over Reading, a five-nil defeat to Chelsea, a one-one draw with West Ham, a one-nil win over Leicester City in the semi-final, and a three-nil win versus Brighton. Yeah, I feel like Bristol City is a team we've talked about most on this podcast due to the cancelled game. So we've previewed their game twice. Um, this is obviously going to be the third occasion. Uh, Tracy, have you been impressed with how Matt Beard has sort of got Bristol off the bottom of the table? You know, in the last five games, they've lost just once to us, uh, picked up three wins, which is something that they couldn't buy at the start of the season. Um, I think he's getting the best out of the team. Clearly uh, has a game plan um, and that's staying up clearly um has them playing better throughout the team um they're looking stronger across the park clearly not when they play us um let's uh presume and hope that that's going to continue uh, this weekend um but has definitely sorted out issues they've had around around the pitch um playing a lot stronger defending better bar our game um and doing more up front. So I don't ever think we can take, we should never take any team lightly ever when it comes to a final. Um, and I definitely wouldn't just presume that we're just going to roll uh, Bristol over this weekend. Yeah, Jane, in that recent win against Bristol City, we managed to keep Ebony Salmon quiet for the majority of the game, obviously, which was key to our game plan. So repeating that in the final is going to be very important, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is. And I think she is the key player we've got to look out for. I'd seen bits of the game last night and I was talking to my mum after the game. And I said, this final on Sunday is not going to be as easy as we think it is. We're saying it's Bristol, piece of cake. There was bottom of the league. Well, it's easy. We'll be able to get the win. 
But with the way Ebony Samuel is playing at the minute, I think it is going to be a lot, lot more harder than we think. Yeah, despite that, Tracy, that the, there is a golfing class in these teams. You know, it's hard to ignore that. But finals, obviously, always a different, you know, occasion. We've seen recently in the men's, you know, Portsmouth upsetting the odds, Wigan Athletic upsetting the odds. Yeah. Um, they're always going to be a closer game, aren't they, the final? They always are. And complacency is always a bad thing in football when you just presume you're just going to go up, go out in a game, you're playing a a team at the bottom as Chelsea knows and we're very good at this you automatically presume you're going to win against the people at the bottom and we often mess up across the board when it comes to Chelsea yes we have a phenomenal squad of world-class players but we can't be complacent uh, we still have to go out with our mindset 100% giving our all and, and giving everything it's silverware it doesn't matter what silverware it is we are a club of winners and we need to win any final we are in. Yeah, I think what's really helpful for this game is the fact we lost to Brighton. I think that's going to be a clear message to Emma from to the players. You know, yeah. look what happened here when we didn't take the opponent seriously. We were, we were beaten. Um, so hopefully, you know, no complacency from our team anyway. Um, Jane, I want to talk about our attacking options in this game. Would you go with the sort of ultra-attacking 4-1-3-2 that we saw recently against West Ham or would you go sort of 4-2-3-1 with a bit more solidity in the midfield? Um, I think go more of a 4-2-3-1 just so we've got that midfield area covered as well. I feel like if we was to put all our players up front, I think the midfield would struggle and that's where Bristol City will catch us out and get them goals. Yeah, Tracy, this is, as we've spoken about, the first chance of silverware in the season. Obviously, if you listed all the silverware at the start of the season, this probably comes fourth on the list um, behind, obviously, the WSL, the Champions League and the FA Cup. Um, but nonetheless, there's, it's still a huge game, this isn't it? You know, a huge occasion for the players. It's a massive game. And as I said, we're a club that loves silverware and we have a team that should be winning every final that we can get to and should be getting to every final as well. We are that good. Um, a trophy is a trophy. And what it does is it lifts the team. So winning that, you think, I want, I'm hungry, I want more. We all know what the big one is. I mean, obviously, yes, we want, you want to keep winning. You want to be known as winning consistently. And yes, we want to win the league again. The Champions League is obviously the pinnacle. Um, but for me, this is this is a great stepping stone. Win this the weekend. It's another trophy. Lifts the team onto the next onto the next game. Um, so for me, it's still big. It does. I think it doesn't matter what cup competition it is. Um, it's a huge lift and a very big positive for the club and the fans. Yeah, success breeds success is the saying that I always forget football. Um, let me pick a team for this final then. Um, you can pick it apart, which I'm sure you will. Um, I went 4-2-3-1. Berger in goal. Blundell, Ingle, Eriksson and Anson in defence. Liverpool's in midfield with Kirby, Harder, Wrighton and then England up front. Um, obviously, a couple of big names missing there, notably Millie Brighton, Sam Kerr, but... We've got to remember a big game last Wednesday, sort of 
the game against Atletico before this cup final, and then after it got Everton on the following Wednesday. So we're still going to need to rotate and use his squad. Um, Tracy, your thoughts on that team and what would be your changes? It's difficult. I can't imagine Millie not being in the team. Um, I can't imagine her not being in the team for a, fi- uh, for a final. I quite like your team. Um, you know, I, I, there's so many players in our team that I miss not seeing on the pitch and team rotation is, is a big thing because we have a huge squad. So I really do like your team. I just, I, I really can't see Millie not being in the team at all. Um, maybe take, oh, I don't know, Ingle out and put Millie in. I don't know. It's tough. Well, the fact that Ingle's obviously not going to play tomorrow, she's out suspended. Perhaps she comes in for for G. I mean, Liverpool's has rested at the weekend. Perhaps she's a bit more fresher. Yeah, Eric I mean, he hasn't played. It's Maybe a tough call. It's a, it's it's a tough call. I I just I don't see. I I I would be shocked to see that if Millie wasn't playing and and started on the bench, I actually would be surprised. But yeah, as you're right, we do have. We obviously have tomorrow's game. We have Everton after the weekend, which is going to be a tough game. There's a lot. There's a lot of games at the moment, and we have a big squad that we've got to use. But as this is a final, um, it's it's a really tough call on 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 what players you pick. I've never been great at picking what Emma's going to do because she'll often just throw something out there that you wasn't expecting, and I wouldn't want to be Emma anyway to have to pick a team week in week out I said that before when I was when I was sat here with you um I wouldn't want to have to pick this team because everyone's going to want to play in the final it's the final it's a final doesn't matter which number we put in a row of how important it is it's still a final and you want to be on the pitch for this um so I'm I'm it's a decent team I just I would put Millie in yeah I don't think I've ever got close to the kind of team selection with this preview but um Jane, your turn to be Emma Hayes. What do you do? Um, I'd ing- agree with Tracy and put Millie in. If I remember rightly, when we played against Brighton, we didn't have Millie. And it's shown. And we led to the loss. So I'd probably I'd probably have a back four of Mielder, Bright, Ericsson, Anderson. And then I'd I'd keep the rest the way you've got them. I think it is I think Millie is needed no matter what in that back four. Just after obviously you can't be like after the Brighton loss, oh just because Millie didn't play, that's the reason we lost. I just think her being on the pitch in that game would have changed the game a bit more. So yeah, just Millie Millie and Marin I'd put in. Yeah, obviously big choices for Emma Hayes. Everton obviously took Manchester City very close last weekend as well, almost doing us a favour. Um, going to be interesting, obviously, whoever plays, we support to the to the maximum. Um, let's get our predictions then. Um, Tracy, what are you expecting the result to be in this one? Or hoping, maybe, a better word to use? 4-0. Jane? Maybe more a hope, but 4-0. I don't think it's going to be as big as what we've played them recently. Hence, I said, I and hope. I'm, <laughs> yeah, 
I hope it would be a big scoreline like that, but I think I'm going to go 2-0. Actually, no, 2-1. 2-1. Oh. Oh, I, I really that. do. I'm, I'm no, I'm, okay, well, I'll change it to 3-1 then. <laughs> I really do think Bristol might have... If they if Ebony Salmon, Salmon gets the opportunity, she's just going to go for it. That's called man mark, so to speak, and make sure that she doesn't get the opportunities. Because if you keep her quiet, then I think we'll have the game sorted. Um, yes, yeah. it's wishful thinking, 4-0. It's a final. I never like a game that's close. The two ones always scare me, regardless of what Chelsea team you're playing, watching. Um so I'd rather there be a two-goal gap, regardless of if, who scores. I'd rather there be a gap. So as fans, we don't have to sit there with palpitations for 90 minutes. Yeah. Game a bit closer than last year's Conley Cup final then, when um took us through the ringer um, to get That them. was a phenomenal game, though. It yeah, was I mean, like it was last minutes. It was... It was very, very hard to watch at times, but of course we won in the end anyway. But it, I mean, it's a phenomenal game of football, though. Mm. Yeah, I mean, for me, we did such a good job at cutting off Emily Salmon's supply in the game recently that I think we can repeat that. And yeah. Although she is a very good football player, you know, she's not going to have the ball enough to, to do any damage. I'll go with 3 0. Um, I think we'll be a bit closer than the league game and. 3-0 is a comfortable final victory, let's be honest. Um, hopefully we can achieve either one of those scores because they're all wins. Um, yes. Remember to buy your ticket to the virtual cup final. Um, you'll support some great causes. The link's obviously still in the description for this. Um, that wraps up part three. Join us after this break for your emails in part four. Fans, real I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea Football Fancast. Welcome back to the fourth and final part of Dr. Mo King's Meadow. Time now for your emails. Jane, who has been in touch with us this week? And um, so we've got a lovely email from Sonia. Hi, Jane and Dean. Congratulations to Dean on the patter of little feet and the cheer. All you need now is some pom-poms. Forget Liz and the Guinness Book of World Records. Let's talk about Chelsea women records. Emma called it. We are on the verge of something special. The Daily Mail misquotes trophy numbers, but supporters and Emma's know the true number, true numbers and what it will take. Now our Blues will have to dig deep. In the fourth rounds of the FA Cup, Conti Finals, Champions League, last 16, and the now biting WSL title. Having asked the what if question, 25th of April, Man City, or quarterfinal in the Champions League, and dare to, we say 2nd of May semi final, or Tottenham, the desperate fan in us all comes out. Dare we dream of catching games at King's Meadow or at the gates of Man City's grounds after the 16th of May? Chelsea women keep on knocking them out of the park at King's Meadow. Well, in the latest, just the opposite. Who would have thought? Thought that record never fell, fell before. Most away wins with no goals conceded. AK, AKB and your cheer-worthy keeper could even extend this record. My favourite is the AKB assist. It's just cheeky. 
you've got the impression Emin was going over a Man City game in her head and said, perfect. Well, the amount of free kicks they've go to. 33 unbeaten record and who knows if the Daily Mail get it right or wrong. It does not matter on the correct amount of trophies. What we saw Wednesday night turned our beloved turned our beloved team turn into one amazing unit with the goal-stopping machine to boot. So many things come to light. Possible England call-ups, rankings for our Chelsea heroes, rockets upwards, and all, all that important recognition by other countries of our players. This is all important. However, on this International Women's Day, yet again, we read the vast winning difference between men and women's cup and the championships in football. The excuses of COVID-19 or TV rights and full stadiums Maybe this will be the biggest win, win equal winning fees. Emma will have a plan B and a plan C. Look what has happened so far. The WSL is now the best in the world, thanks to Dreaming. Big. All the best, Sonia. Yeah, thank you, Sonia, for your email. Thank you for your congratulations on my own personal news. Um, Tracy, a, a very valid point on the disparity between the value of the FA Cup and the, the leagues. Um, some figures for you here. The, the winning team in each of the women's matches in the FA Cup receives £2,000. The winning team in each of the men's match receives £180,000. Oh, um, Manchester oh, City won the FA Cup last year, the men's team. They took home £3.6 million from that final. Their women's team also won the FA Cup. They took home £25,000. Total FA Cup prize fund for all women's teams is £309,000 compared to £30 million for the men. The women's team is getting around 1% of the men's total. Um, is that it, what, it's disgraceful. FA, is what the FA see of the women's football is 1% of the men's game? It's disgraceful. I'm sorry. It's absolutely disgraceful. You look at those, you look at those figures and there is actually no words. We have... Rightly so, the best women's league in the world. Players from all over the world want to flock here to play football here. And that is the money that clubs and teams and players get. It's... I actually makes me feel completely disheartened that the gap isn't just... It's not... It's not just a little bit big. It's it's worlds and universes apart at the moment. Um, with the news today of you know BBC games, Sky Sports, we need more money. We more needs to be put into the women's game. We need to be growing it faster than ever before. Um, we have the best players in our league. We need to show the world that women's football is just as important as men's the men's game. It's going to take a long time until we're anywhere close. And I know they say we don't get so many supporters. You, I don't know. I mean, I, the last final we was at, at Wembley, there was over 45,000 people that I was there. That It was rocking. It was absolutely rocking. Um, it's, it just makes me feel physically sick, actually. It really does. Yeah, I, I suppose for the FA, the job they have is to balance one equally without the money and two you know the FA Cup is a huge lifeline for, for many you know non-league and community clubs which also run women's teams locally in their communities not at a professional level you know them winning an FA Cup game and having that 180,000 obviously means you know so much for them but at the same time 
they cannot be worth the women's football cannot be worth just one percent of the men's game and, and something needs to change you know if you look at the sponsor of the fa cup emirates based in dubai you know their history of the way they treat women in their society leaves a lot to be desired as well so perhaps there's no women um, gay doesn't matter yeah well hate everybody men control everything period so even if you pressured the sponsor into trying to equal out some of that price money, you'd probably better off shouting at a wall in, in that sense. You know, it's going to be down to the FA and down to supporters and the clubs as well, really equaling out you know, this. Because at the end of the day, both teams, two teams win a football match, one team wins 2,000, one team wins 180,000. That's what we're talking about. That's the difference regardless of supporters and, you know, full stadiums, etc. because a Chelsea WSL game is going to get more supporters than a first-round non-legal tie, because yeah. that's that's the reality of it. They get more supporters than them, going, but they still don't get the money. So, although we've spoken about the International Women's Day, people that inspire us, you know, great leaps in what Magda and, and Panilla have done, you know, another disheartening reality of the world that we live in unfortunately and hopefully this becomes a voice for, for for change somehow a small part of it maybe keep fighting the fight keeps keep speaking out keep you know telling the fa you know what they're doing wrong and, and how to do it obviously the more people that, that speak up and the more people that support the the easier that hopefully becomes one day in the not too distant future we like to dream anyway um, unfortunately on that sort of sad note that's all we've got time for um, we'll be back next week to talk hopefully about progression in the Champions League plus a Conti Cup trophy final um, win we'll be joined by Rob Prattley from the Chelsea Social um, we'll also look ahead to that game against Everton next Wednesday um, Jane a pleasure to talk to you again thank you for joining us apologies for the technical difficulties on my end that's all right. It's been a pleasure. It's it's been weird not filming it the last couple of weeks, so it's nice to be back, back filming. I won't lie. I've not missed producing the scripts, but apart from that, I've missed my picks, so to speak. Um, Tracy, an absolute delight to have you on again talking about the team. Um, I'm sure your insight, those listening, will agree with me. Your insight into the team and into wider society issues as well is invaluable so, so thank you for giving up your time to, to speak to us pleasure um welcome to come on any any time it's um it's fab to spend my evening with you both regardless of the technical difficulties uh, it's been fantastic to see you both likewise likewise uh, remember you can follow us on twitter at mokings meadow me at dean mears jane at jane chapel x and tracy at chelsea girl 78 you can also find us on instagram at went to mokings meadow don't forget, you can also contact the show via email and get your points heard. That address is wenttomokingsmeadow at gmail.com. Thank you for tuning in. Until next time, Chelsea fans, from Kings Meadow to Wembley, keep that blue flag flying high. Thank you.
Acast empfiehlt. Podcasts, die wir lieben. Es ist nicht alles gay, was glänzt. Oder doch? Das klären wir jetzt in Busenfreundin, der Podcast. Hey Leute, mein Name ist Ricarda. Ich bin Comedy-Autorin und die Stimme des LGBTIQ-Podcasts Busenfreundin. Und ich treffe jede Woche spannende Menschen und spreche mit ihnen über alles, was die queere Szene bewegt. Bei Busenfreundin gibt es Unterhaltung gepaart mit Haltung. Oft. Also nicht immer, denn manchmal schweife ich auch ab. Zum Beispiel mit Leuten wie Riccardo Simonetti, Sarah Kuttner und vielen, vielen mehr. Also schaltet jetzt ein zu Busenfreundin, eurem Lieblings-LGBTIQ-Infotainment-Podcast. Bei Acast finden die besten Podcasts aus aller Welt ein Zuhause. Abonniere diese Show oder finde weitere spannende Podcasts bei Acast oder wo immer du Podcasts hörst.